God's good, isn't he? Isn't he? All the time. Just want to continue right away. I want to, I want to jump right into this, what I've been, uh, the Lord put on my heart to speak about for the next couple of weeks. And um, he puts you through things, you go through situations, you go through moments to, to get, a, your, uh, get your attention, right? The Lord's good at getting your attention, isn't he? Sometimes he's got to even put you to a place of, of uncomfortable, and we don't like it in the moment, but when we get there, we have no choice but to either succumb to that situation or to look up, right? And I love that when we look up, then we actually look back at that situation that wasn't enjoyable, and we look back and we actually thank God for that moment because it pushed us towards him. And that's what God is always doing, no matter what comes, whether it's the good in your life or the bad in your life. There's always one answer, and that's looking up. It's always His, his mercies and His grace is there for you, no matter what your situation looks like. No matter what your day looks like, the same grace and mercy is always there. And in some days, He actually gives you blessings and we're thankful. Those are the easy times to be thankful, to look up and just give him praise and glory. But the Lord wants to be praised in our worst days as well. In the very worst, very lowest, he is the same gracious, merciful God on that day. And if we will let God be God in that day, it will actually push us closer to him. He'll actually use it to get you closer than even the times that you're blessed. The times that you're blessed, it's easy to thank God quickly and then go right back into enjoying your blessing. But the times where everything gets taken from you and those are horrible moments, like I said, I don't, I don't like them any more than you do in the moment, but it actually makes me seek him harder. It actually makes me be much more thankful to him in that moment than in all the things he gives us freely. And so I just want to um, anchor from this scripture in Psalms 31, verse 15. And I'm going to read it from the New King James it's the, because it's the way I have it memorized. And it's, my times are in your hand. We need to understand that your times are in God's hand. But see, our mind we compute and calculate everything all the time. Whether we like it or not, who, who actually gets annoyed sometimes at your own mind? Maybe it's 12 o'clock and it's time to sleep and you're like, shut up. I don't care. I will deal with it tomorrow. But your mind is like, your mind's got a mind of its own. And you just can't sometimes tell that thing to be quiet. You're trying, you're trying, you're trying, and, and finally you wake up and you, man, that was the worst night of my life, trying to sleep, and your mind is just going. And that same mind goes into your everyday. And we look with our eyes, we judge with our senses, and we are making um, calculations on what is actually happening in my life, whether you like it or not, based upon the way you think. Meanwhile, God is the same God because 
our times are in his hands, that means that when you had a good day and when you had a bad day, if your times are in his hands, right, then he doesn't pick and choose the times. Your times, as in all of it, as in every day, as in every second, are in his hand. We just don't understand what God is doing sometimes. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. Almost all the time, we have no idea what God is up to, but he's up to something good. Come on, I want you to say that out loud today. Today's the day to rejoice. The rain, the rain sometimes makes us get dreary and, you know, I don't know, I get affected by the weather, but let's just say it out loud. God's up to something. 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 You know, it's like a little bit of Southern twanging, you know. He's up to something. Something. And, ready? And, out loud, and it's good. It's good. See, if, if our lives are in his hand, then fear, we talked about worry last week, the fear, the worry, the doubts shouldn't be in our hearts. Because no matter what's there, if we truly understand that our times are in his hand, then no matter what comes, there's really nothing for you to fear or worry or doubt about. And yet, I, wanna, I don't want to just leave you hanging there because sometimes they're there, aren't they? What I want you to be encouraged today is don't get condemned or burdened that you've been in a fearful state or that you've been in a state of worrying or that you've been in a state of doubting. I don't want you to come in and be condemned today. I want you to be freed the Lord came to free you today, just like he, when he died on that cross, he died for your freedom once and for all. That means that if you've been carrying those things, that's fine. It wasn't okay when you were carrying them, but let's just leave them at the door. Let's leave those things behind, and, and I encourage you today to just to give it to him again. Give your fears, give your doubts, give your worries to him. Amen? See, no matter what the day has brought us, God is still the same God he was before your bad day. It's amazing how God, it just can work through the worst circumstances. There's testimony after testimony after testimony. I mean, we could probably open this mic and go on for the rest of the afternoon on how the worst times in your life caused the best blessing when it was done the most joy you've ever had, the most uh, um, peace came after that time. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it, start, it talks about how there's a time for everything. It says in verse 1 in, in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes that everything has a season. There's a time for every activity under heaven. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. And he goes on, time to cry, time to laugh, time to build, time to tear down. And then he finally says in verse 11, it says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He said he has planted eternity in the human heart. I love the way the NLT translates this. 
He's planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. God's got things ordered, and He has a time for everything. There is no escaping old age. Sorry. I wish there was a fountain of youth, but there isn't. The only fountain of youth is Jesus Christ. Drink from Him, He said, and you'll never be thirsty again. He's the only fountain of youth. It's only in eternity. There's no, there is no eternity here on earth. This place is temporary. But that is the way it is here. God said that it's all beautiful for its time. There's nothing necessarily beautiful on the day that you lose that person that you loved. But the beauty that comes out of, of a season, when you, especially as for us as believers, the beauty that comes out of the season to, to, to stop and think about that person now with the Lord for eternity. All of a sudden, a horrible moment begins to give you some joy. In fact, they're jumping and dancing and waiting for you to get there to be with them. Isn't that amazing? And there are things that we don't understand. If we could look through God's eyes, you would see the beauty in all of it. God wants us to see the beauty in all of it. If you are waiting around for only to see the best days of your life, there's only going to be a few of them. If you find the beauty in every single moment that he's giving you, you can have, I mean, you will have so much joy, so much peace, so much hope in you if you could just stop in, in, in every moment and just look and see, you know what? God has not come off his throne yet. He's still God. He still has a plan. He still has a purpose. He still loves me. He's still thinking favorably towards me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at that moment, what was horrible, you'll start to feel that hope and peace and joy rise in you. That's from him. And yet it says that even though there's a beauty in all, and you can get that. What he says you cannot get is, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. No matter how much peace he gives you, no matter how much hope, no matter how much life you have, there's going to be a part of you that will not get what he's doing. And that part, if we just give that over to him, you're going to be a lot happier. If we try to figure everything out, you are going to be, you're going to be stuck in sorrow and in pain for the rest of your life. Because there will always be something somewhere that is horrible, and yet there's always something every single day that's beautiful. There's always. The day that someone dies, someone else is born. And, and, and if we can, we just, it doesn't mean that we don't mourn and we don't respect that person, but if we just stop and actually see that God's still bringing something beautiful. He's still, he's still more and more children are being born as, as though some are, have lived their lives and now it's come to the end as others are coming into life. There is beauty through it all. In fact, we sang a song today. I didn't know they were going to sing this song, but I was listening to it over and over again last night. 
and it was a cross that was meant to kill is my victory. A cross that was meant to kill is my victory. We should be reminded of this thought constantly. I've brought this line up in many sermons, brought that, that concept up rather that if the devil knew what was actually happening on that cross, he would have never done it because he thought he's winning. The enemy thought, that's it. I, cruci- I can't believe this, this plan actually worked. And I got this guy and he had no idea what Jesus was about to bring about for you. But if we were to look, if you were to stand there at that cross, you would have been standing with the Marys, been standing with John, and been weeping with them. Because in, your, in our minds, we wouldn't be able to see beyond. Remember, they all forgot what Jesus said. Jesus told them, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to rise again. And somehow, they all forgot. We do forget in the moment, don't we? And yet, Jesus didn't forget. He didn't forget. Did he? When we forget his hope, he doesn't forget. When we forget what he said, Jesus doesn't forget you. And he came again, he rose again, and he brought our victory. The very things that were meant to kill, meant to destroy you, God will use for your victory. That is fact. I don't know how. Do not come up to me and ask me how can this situation possibly be good because I will not give you a good answer. I don't know how he does it, but he does. Who can testify that he does, that he turns every single situation around for those who look to him. Anyone who calls on him, he's got a plan to get you out of your pit, out of your trial, out of your suffering. Now, and that may be a process instantaneously, if you let him, he's got instantaneous peace, joy, and hope, and life for you. The trial and the sorrow and those things may still be around you. And that's what I want to talk about today. The things around you may take time, but God's victory is actually instantaneous. We just have to do the hardest thing there is to do and tell this mind to shut up. I want to go to sleep. Just like that moment, shut up. Go to sleep. It'll be fine. When I wake up tomorrow, the day will still be there, as I was saying last week, right? The day will still be there tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Don't fear. Don't doubt. Just shut up, mind. Come on, I want you to tell your mind, shut up, mind. Whose mind is just rolling, 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 rolling? Man. There's a story, though, that it's an incredible story. And um, as Christians, the, the biggest thing for us as an obstacle between us and God is that when we get saved, when we come to him, we come to him with so much hope, and that hope does fill our hearts and fills you, right? The hope fills you. And then we get into situations that we don't understand, we don't like, And that hope starts fading away. It was never meant to fade out of your heart. The devil, even just, not the devil, but just the fallen world we live in. You live in a a fallen world. 
That's not the world God designed. God did not design it fallen. He designed it perfect. Nonetheless, through sin, we are in a fallen world. And we are in a world that doesn't want God. Proportionally, statistically, um, the people who want God are very small. There's a very small portion of this world. And that's a sad thing. It's sad for us, but it's more... It's, it's an awful thing for the Lord. The Lord is weeping for those that won't turn to him. He doesn't hate them. He doesn't want to judge them. He wants them to turn to him. And it's an awful thing to think about. And that, but at the same time, it's the reality of the world around you. That is the world we live in. And, and it will push against you. It'll, it'll bring you bad days. And uh, we need to hold on because God has not been duped or outsmarted. We get into situations and we say, where's God? Right? You've heard me preach that before. I got to say that line again. We say, where's God? And God is not, he has not been duped or outsmarted. He has a way out. He has protection. He has provision for you. Amen? Amen. And so we have this story in 2 Kings chapter 6. And uh, the story is about Elisha. Elisha was a prophet of the Lord. One of the, one of the greatest prophets who ever lived. And Elisha, what he kept doing was this, this foreign army was trying to come against Israel. And every time the army would, would get a plan together to come against them, Elisha would go tell the king what he was going to do. And the king starts, the foreign king starts getting frustrated because he can't make, he just cannot advance against Israel because his plans keep getting destroyed. And so finally he says, uh, uh, he, he hears it, it's because there's this, there's this prophet, there's this prophet Elisha over there, and he keeps telling the king what you're about to do. So he says, uh, in verse, uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, verse, let me see where to start. Verse 11, the king of Aram or Syria, depending on the translation, same word here. Um, the king of Aram uh, became very upset over this, and he called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? He said, who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. And he says, go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, Elisha is at Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army and many chariots and horses to surround the city. Sometimes the devil's going to find out that you've been doing good things for the Lord. He's not all-knowing. He's not God. I don't know exactly how it works. I know that who's felt like they've been oppressed with some demonic forces around you. You know what it's like. If you've been a Christian, and I don't, we don't need to worry about it, but somehow word gets back that you've been doing things for the Lord and some things try to come against your life. Who's had that happen? Who's had the enemy come try to get, come against their life because they've been working for the Lord? And that will happen. And it says, as they came, it says, 
When, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. Who has come to a place in your life where you wake up and it's not what you expected? <laughs> life is not what you expected. Isn't it funny? You know, this is the way the devil works. He comes in the night. And it doesn't need to be necessarily when you're physically sleeping. We could be spiritually sleeping too. Sometimes we're just not aware. It doesn't mean that the Lord's chastising you, but sometimes you're just not aware. And he sneaks in. This is what he's doing. He comes and he sneaks in, tries to bring an attack against you, doesn't he? But it says that this is fact. It says that that's the way it was. The Bible doesn't say that this was a metaphor. It says that this was a physical reality. Who's had a physical reality of the enemy against your life and against your family and against your home or against your business or against you physically, etc.? It's physical. He comes from spirit into physical and he affects the, the physical world around you. It's not just a spiritual thing. It's not just an attack where you feel inside. The devil will send a physical force. He'll put physical things around you. He'll put a physical car in your way that's trying to kill you. And we're not gonna, I'm not going to leave you there. It's not going to kill you. But physically, he crosses over and will send an army sometimes against you. But it says that the servant of Elisha, the servant said, Oh, sir. What will we do now? As a believer, shouldn't come out of our mouths much, but it does, doesn't it? And again, I'm not here to condemn you and neither is the Lord. I'm going to put myself in the same boat. We've all said it before the Lord. What am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? And it says in verse 16, it says that Elisha told him, don't be afraid. Now, if you're Elisha's servant, you'd be thinking, don't be afraid. Maybe you need to come outside and see the forces that have gathered against my life. Maybe you didn't see, maybe you're not seeing what I'm seeing. Don't be afraid. But Elisha told him why. Let's read this out loud. For there are more on our side than there, than there is on theirs. Come on, let's read that again. For there are more on our side than on theirs. Come on. <laughs> There's more on our side than there is on theirs. The Bible says that a third of the angels fell from heaven. Who's good at math? <laughs> okay, math major. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. What's greater or lesser? Two-thirds or one-third? A third fell from heaven. Now, even if the entire third of Satan's army comes against you, God's got double, 
besides the fact that he's God. Maybe the devil's forgotten that in your life. We don't want to forget it, though. What the devil will try to get you to do as the servant for God. The devil somehow forgets all the way through Revelation. <laughs> I don't get it. It's already printed. Somehow he still thinks that even though it's prophesied that he will rise to power, but he will ultimately be crushed by God. Somehow he's still working through it and going to do it anyway. Doesn't make sense to me, but I don't understand. That's between God and the devil. That's their business. But somehow he's forgotten, and what he'll try to get you to do is get you to forget that God is still on your side. That's going to be his strategy. Who has felt stressed this week? Let's just do a show of hands. Don't be afraid. Who's felt a little worry this week? A little fear this week? Okay, we're all like the rest of us. I have felt all those same emotions this very week. It's amazing how they come. It's amazing how subtle and how quickly you wake up one morning and you walk outside and you feel like Elisha's servant here, and some, suddenly life has surrounded you. The things that you didn't expect, you're doing God's work, you're serving God, and suddenly some things have surrounded you, and you don't know what to do. What's the answer? It's not a trick question. What's the same answer? Always, no matter what no matter what the day is, it was the same answer when you were so filled with joy and hope and life and you praised him for saving your life. It's the same answer on this day. And he says something amazing here in verse 17. He says, Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, come on, Open his eyes. That's right. Come on, Tamisha. Lord, open our eyes. And that's a real prayer. It's not a sermon line. Lord, open our eyes. Let us see how much you're behind us and how far, Lord, you've cleared the way ahead of us in Jesus' name. The Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, come on, sometimes <laughs> we need to look up. Come on. When he looked up, you start looking up and what happens? What's down right here looks real small. So I was preaching last week. I just, I wanted to start this. I don't know if today's the last day of this series, whether it's two part or three part, but I started last week just going to how big God is. I talked last week about him being clothed in the very stars of heaven. He's literally puts on, on as a garment. The stars are his robe, how big God is. You look up and right here gets real small. Your situation gets real small. Life right here gets real small, doesn't it? When you look up to God and see that he's on our side, God is on our side, this is amazing. It's too amazing for me to possibly preach in words. It's like something we need to, we need to just get the revelation of that, of how big that is. 
It's like David said, I mean, who am I, David said to the Lord, that you care about me? Who am I that you look at my life and are concerned with it? And yet he is. Come on, he's concerned with your life. He's, he is so concerned for you. He said he has the hair on your head numbered. Who's got time for that? <laughs> That's how much he loves you and cares for you. That's, it's just incredible. It's beyond incredible. And it says the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw. He saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled. Come on, everybody, let's say it out loud. Filled. filled. The hills around you, they're filled. <laughs> Your situation may look like, because it says that the enemy had surrounded. The enemy filled in around them. But he opened his eyes and saw the truth. He saw the real who knows that this place is, this is not real. I know it looks real. I know that I look real right here, right now. But if you put my body in a grave, you've only taken away my body. You cannot, Jesus said, don't be afraid of those who can harm the body. Be afraid, I'm paraphrasing, what can harm your soul? Because that's the real you. And there's a real world beyond this temporary fake, this place of, of clay, Right, he breathed life into clay. Okay, so he took something that wasn't from this earth and put it into the clay when he made Adam. Not this Adam, the Adam. But he did the same thing here with each of us. He just continued that on through, right? From child to child. We need to look and see the real. We need to look beyond this temporary, this facade, and it's hard. That's why Houston right now, if they were to look at their surroundings, I mean, what do you do? I've been thinking about this all week. What do you do when everything you know gets taken from you? It's not just their homes and their cars, and that's their possessions, but your memories, what you can't get back that are in that place. I mean, the things like photos and, and even your favorite album, whatever, all these things can be replaced technically with technologies and things, but the actual physical is gone. Besides that there, you know, the job that you had in that town, that's where it existed. You say I can go get a job anywhere, but those towns already have people working for them. And that would just be such a hopeless moment for them right now. That's why we're praying for God's grace and the Lord's going to come through for them. But if they were to look, I'm sure that there's not only one person who's thought about just ending it. I'm sure there's more than one because what are they going to do, right? But you cannot look at this moment. Life goes on, doesn't it? It continues. The God is able to do, even if Let's just, for, let's just say Houston never, ever loses water, which it will. God can take that family. He can take you. He will supernaturally place you. You, don't even, you can't even possibly imagine 
but he can take you supernaturally and he has the perfect job, perfect house, perfect place for you, this funding, that funding. And, and that's also why us as believers, we're going, to talk, we're going to take up an offering later on for them. We also need to get alongside them and help that happen, right? We're going to do that as a church. What God can do, it doesn't matter what it looks like to the, in the natural. If you were to look in that situation, naturally it looks like it's gone. But two things. One, in this natural place, God can just, talk, he'll just give you a brand new. Who, know, who remembers the story about Job? Job lost it all. And the Bible says that God, the new life that Job, we don't like to think like that, and I don't want us to get, think about it too long. But the new life he gave him was twice. He doubled everything. Doubled everything the enemy took. Satan came and took it. That's the story. We don't like talking about that New Testament post, New Testament post Christ. People don't, I don't know why. The New Testament church doesn't like the book of Job, doesn't think it's relevant. I see it as real life. But when the enemy takes something from you, God will give it back and he gives it back double. That's the physical part. But the spiritual part is what was really taken. If you're a believer, if your hope is in Christ, if your hope is in him and that's it and you have an eternal home there, is anything lost in this moment? Nothing. And that's the hardest thing for our minds to get. It doesn't make sense in our minds. But if we look up and we really, we need to come to the place as believers that we know that we know. If you're in Iran right now, that's a reality. They need to be eternally minded, focused on that home and on their possessions there. Because in a moment, someone came in and took everything. And we don't, you know the details. But when we look and see that there's an eternal, there's a spiritual world, there's a place of eternity, it's beyond this place. And it doesn't matter if it's a flood or an earthquake or a tornado, and that's physical, you cannot be taken. He cannot take anything from you when everything that you have is stored in an eternal place. That's what he was getting his eyes to see. He needed to get his eyes to see that there is, there's an army. There's an army surrounding you right now. This is the amazing reality. When his eyes weren't open, were, <laughs> the servant's eyes weren't open and he prayed, Lord, open his eyes. But when he opened his eyes, did the army appear or was the army there already? This is what I want you to get. If you get one thing today, it doesn't matter if you see in the spirit or you don't. It would be better for us as believers if we looked with spiritual eyes. It's a lot easier for you. It'll bring you a lot more peace if we don't look with the flesh eyes and we look with the spirit eyes. And we can do that. You can be a spirit person. The Bible, and in fact, I would say even as far as commands us to to not be flesh people, to be spirit people. That's the real you. And not only will you have more peace, but that's the real that you're seeing. And it actually will help you to live more for the real, for eternal than temporary. But even if you couldn't see, even if you got some flesh in there and you just are blinded, maybe you're just blinded because you're tired, you're wearied, 
some doubts, some worries, some fears have gotten in there and they've taken your vision away. We need to somewhere inside of us, somewhere deep inside of you, whether you can see it or not, whether you can, sometimes you just can't get, get enough umph together to pray, to, to just get clear, get, cl get clear in your life, right? Sometimes it's just that heavy around you. You need to know somewhere deep inside of you that God has an army of angels surrounding you, whether you know it or not, whether you see it or not. This was already here. The, the very moment when the enemy comes against you, at the very moment when he has caused, he has put a plan to take you out because you've been, you've been serving the Lord. You've been seeking God. You've been after the Lord. You've been doing his work and the enemy's come to try to take you out. At that very moment, whether you can see it or not, there is already an answer there for you. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, it says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Come on, we don't look. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. He's calling this fact. Who's had some troubles that you can see? He doesn't say that you're not going to see them. We just choose not to look at them. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. We need to look with different eyes, don't we? We need to know that we know that we know that we know in your heart that God is for you. And if he's for you, then who can be against you? I like to expand it, not that we need to add to his word, but I, when I'm praying it, just so my mind hears it, I'll just say who, what, when, and where can be against me. There's nothing and no one whether in the seen or the unseen, that can take what God has given you. There is nothing and no one that can touch you unless God allows it, period. We need to understand that as fact, that no matter what is coming in your life, God allowed it. That can be if we stay in our minds, if we look in the natural. If we look in the natural... And we say, God allowed this, you're going to go down a dark, dangerous road. Instead of looking at that situation that you are confused about and wondering, how could God allow this? Instead, look to him and say, well, you've been good before. You've proven that for generation after generation. Besides my life, personally, you've been good. Instead of looking at this situation that doesn't seem good, and it doesn't seem like, why would you allow this God? That's why people don't like the book of Job. Because they think, God, why would God allow that? God doesn't do that now because of the mercy of Christ. His mercy is there for you when you call upon it. His grace is there when you ask for it. 
Jesus died for all that will repent and turn to him. It's not automatic, but as soon as we do turn to him, as soon as we do repent, as soon as we come before him, his grace and his mercy are instantaneously there, isn't it? Isn't it? We need to know that. We need to know that as believers. We need to know that we know that we know that his grace and mercy is in our lives because we've called on him. And, and that's why we don't look, whether we can see what God is doing or, or we can see what he has for us or whether we can see the angels that God has sent to protect us. They were there all along. God has, he still has a plan for your life. He still has a plan for this moment. And no matter what your, your fears, your worries, your doubts are, I, as I said at the beginning of the sermon, just give them to God right now. Give it to him. I, I'm not asking you to try to figure out how he's possibly gonna work out the situation you're in. Don't go there. Just give it to him and say, you're God and I'm not. I'm seeing things in the natural and forgive me. Lord, help me to see things in the spirit, but whether I see them or not, I'm trusting in you. Whether I can see how you're going to do it or not, I'm trusting in you. Whether it makes sense to my mind or not, I'm trusting in you. Period. Because the Bible says, as I close here, just read this. That it says in Psalms, and there's a bunch of Psalms that, that say this idea, but basically in Psalm 46... It says, God is our refuge and strength, and he's always ready to help in times of trouble. He's always ready, so we will not fear. Look at verse 2. We will. Who's we? This is his body. This is the believer's. We will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Verse 3. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Those things are going to come. But it says, it says, verse 9, He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Verse 10, be still and know Come on, you got to know it. Be still and know that I am God. And it says in verse 11, the Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. In Psalm 27, 1, let's just stand. Psalm 27, verse 1, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? Verse 3, though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I'm attacked, I will remain confident because it says in verse 13 i'm confident because i will see the lord's goodness while i'm here in the land of the living wait patiently for the lord be brave and courageous yes wait patiently for the lord 
With every eye closed, we just surrender, Lord. We surrender it all to you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In this natural world, Lord, there is no guarantee except you. We're going to look past this place and we look to you, Lord, to the place that's it's rock solid as rock solid can be. You're the rock. Lord, we thank you that our home is founded upon the rock and it cannot be shaken. doesn't matter what comes. You said the waves will come, but it's not going to touch us because we built upon the rock. We built upon you, Lord. We thank you that there's an eternal inheritance for all who call upon the Lord and it cannot be touched no matter what comes in the natural. We thank you, Lord, for the lives you've given us you are fully aware of this nation, of this valley, Lord, of the families we were born into. You are God, and we give you everything. That gives us confidence, Lord, to give you our fears, our worries, our doubts, and we trust in you. We don't know how you're going to do it, but we know that we know that we know because you're God, and that position has not changed that you're still for us, that you have a plan, and you're going to do, Lord, beyond, beyond for us and for this nation. And we just pray, Lord, one more time, Lord, we pray for the victims in this time, Lord, we pray that you would do beyond, Lord, their capabilities. Lord, beyond, Lord, I thank you that you're already doing it. Many have risen up and have already helped, Lord, and that's from you. We thank you, Lord, for beyond. Lord, repay everything that's been taken and stolen. We thank you, Lord that you're giving them, Lord, back what was taken. But we thank you, Lord, you're also giving us eyes to see that this is temporary and that there's an eternal home, Lord. We're going to look there in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.